Hi listeners, I hope you're all having a wonderful week this week. Welcome back to Look to See Me, a podcast that invites you to look closer at the lives of people around you and to take time to really hear their stories. I'm Chris Peppel, and today I'm going to talk about poetry. April is National Poetry Month, in case you didn't know, and in case you didn't remember, I'm a poet. National Poetry Month was inaugurated by the Academy of American Poets in 1996. And over the years, it's really grown in its significance. It's become the largest literary celebration in the world, with schools, publishers, libraries, booksellers, and poets celebrating poetry's really vital place in our culture. One of my favorite writings about poetry is by Audre Lorde. Lorde, a poet herself, was a self-described black, lesbian, mother, warrior, poet. Lord wasn't afraid to live her life authentically, who she was created to be. She dedicated both her life and her writing career to confronting and addressing injustices of racism, sexism, classism, and homophobia. In her writings, Lord says, Poetry is not a luxury. It is a vital necessity of our existence. It forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams towards survival and change, first made into language, then into idea, then into more tangible action. Poetry is the way we help give name to the nameless so it can be thought. The farthest horizons of our hopes and fears are cobbled by our poems, carved from the rock experiences of our daily lives. And poetry is not a luxury for me. It's how I first put down my thoughts on paper. So in honor of this month, I'm reading here several of my poems from my book titled Looking, Seeing, published in 2018. The first is titled Just Me, and I was inspired by Lord's honesty in claiming labels for herself, in identifying who she was authentically, and really staking her own claim instead of letting other people define her. I wrote this poem because I realized that I had allowed myself to be defined by so many other people that I had forgotten who I was. I carried labels given to me by people who never really took the time to know me. So I claimed a few labels for myself in this poem. Just me. I'm a cream soda drinking, chocolate loving, veggie eating kind of woman. I'm loud when I need to be, but when I'm silent, I still roar. I don't cling to the toxic, but toss it away, and I stay undefinable in the world which craves easily expressed normality. I'm a jean-wearing, Nike-running, nature-embracing, faith-walking, dog-loving, cat-crazy, gerbil-caring, snake-fearing, back-trail-hiking, state-park-camping, always-tired single mom who wakes early, admires the arts, and never makes my bed who loves my kids and stays fiercely loyal to friends, who loves to learn and tries to pray and hates separating walls and has seen the cruelty of AIDS and the horror of abuse and the pain caused by diversity-fearing peers who assume my whiteness means I think like them. Label me not by your thoughts or your fears. Judge me not by a rumor tossed carelessly around. Condemn me not solely by a past action, which just means I failed and learned. Judge me not at all, for your approval is not what I seek. But join me on this winding journey to discover the path that leads to just me.
The next poem is one of my earlier poems, but it's still one of my favorites. It reminds me of how hard the process was for me to take those first steps to breaking so many chains that bound me to negativity and hurt. Watermarks. Just the other day, I walked down to the lake and sat on the edge and named the ducks as they swam past, and they talked with me about their lives, and together we laughed, and I got up to go and noticed that I had left tracks in the mud through which I tromped to find this shore, and I dreaded the thought of retracing my steps for the trek home, and I dreaded the thought of home, and I looked out across the lake again, and I saw the rippling trail teasing me with the question of whether or not I would follow, and I shed my shoes and with undaunting hope walked where I had never been before, and I looked back to see that I had left footprints across the water. This next poem is one I wrote about a trip I took to L.A. with my two children. Oh, we had so much fun. I'd still love to go back and look at the pictures from that trip. We toured the studios. We went to the beach at Santa Monica. Uh, we even saw Emma Watson at the premiere of Beauty and the Beast. That was incredible and an unexpected treat. I have so many great memories from that trip. But I also remember all of the kind people that we met. Well, I'm going to be honest here. I did not want to drive in L.A. I honestly hate driving. So we took public transportation everywhere. Buses, subways, rail system. And, of course, I'm a people watcher. And I was so touched by so many random acts of kindness that I saw done by so many of the people on the buses with us. I called this L.A. Beauty. L.A. Beauty. I stood behind you at the bus stop and saw your tattered bag hanging by your side and saw the coffee-colored designs on your shirt that you had tried to wash away before you left home and noticed the wear on your shoes and wondered how many miles you had walked in them as you trekked back and forth on your daily tasks. And together we watched as the cars rolled past with their drivers heading off to fulfill another L.A. dream, and we admired their determination to keep the dream alive because we knew that we had hopes waiting to come alive, and we thought of our dreams as we waited there on the curb in view of the Hollywood sign and thought of the beauty in the songs and the arts around us and stepped back into our reality as we boarded the bus with its musty smell and wandering passengers and tired faces. And we sat on the nearby rows and looked at the businesses and homes we moved past and wondered about the lives of those around us. And then I realized the beauty in our journey. As you moved next to the man who others avoided sitting near you, and you handed him your cup of coffee, knowing you would have no other for the day, and an older lady smiled at a young mother holding a tired, crying child and offered kind words to both. And one man handed over his already read paper to the man across the aisle, and one teen sat quietly next to another sleeping on the route. And we offered seats to those more tired than us, and they stepped on, and we gave up spots for parents with heavy loads. And no others would know the beauty in those moments along our route, but we carry that love and respect for another with us as we step off onto the paper-dotted sidewalk that leads us to our day. The next poem I wrote about a time I drove to a small town to attend the visitation for a close friend's mother who had passed away after a battle with cancer. When I got to the parking lot, I realized that 
I didn't know other members of her extended family. I could see them in the um, in the visitation room, and I realized that I had no idea what their names were, what their lives were all about. I was entering a place where I was a little bit uncomfortable. I also saw some other people that I did know, but who would be surprised that I was there. I had moved away from the city where I knew them. I was from a very different economic class, very different social class from the people in the room that I was walking in. And honestly, I was suddenly very nervous about just unexpectedly showing up. But I wanted to be there for my friend, and I wanted to honor her mother's memory. And my friend just immediately put me at ease when she caught my eye. And honestly, I hope you each have someone in your life that gives you a moment like this, a moment of acceptance and wanting you there. You were there. You were there in the center of the room, welcoming others into the moment, taking hands, offering hugs, showing gratitude for their presence. And I entered from the far back and moved to the wall and tried to assess what I should do on this night when I came in as unexpected as snow on a late spring day with no plans of what to say or how to move through the moment with those who did know how to belong. And you saw me as I bypassed the line for fear of having to converse with others that I did not know how to trust or how to make small talk as if I understood the world through which they moved. And I glanced in your direction, wondering if you felt shame or joy in having to find me there. And I feared that I had disappointed you with an appearance from someone who others would say, how does she dare? But without hesitation, you held out a hand and took mine and pulled me into a hug that spoke to the room and said you knew my name and called me friend and that you accepted me there in the presence of others whose appearance fit the scene much more than I ever could. And your voice spoke with love and your hands held onto mine as you spoke my name to others and confirmed that you accepted me as an unexpected gift without defining me as a burden to be explained. And in the room, I knew I was real and whole and seen through the eyes of one who knew that when love reaches out, hope begins and you were there to usher it in. This next poem is in memory of my beloved cousin, John Howard Allen. I was honored to present his square to the AIDS quilt project in the early 90s. And really, I, I still miss him. He was only 30 years old when he died, and today he would be 56. So, John, this one's for you. You're square. I hold the folded cloth as I promise not to cry, but know the tears are waiting, flowing deep inside. And I hear them call your name as others turn to see the person stepping forward who holds your memory. And I hand them a square and receive one solitary rose as I feel the cruelty of AIDS that so many of us know. And now you're a part of a quilt with your name stitched for eternity next to the others who died when others judged you all so harshly. And the legacy you left behind will live on through others and through me because we saw you from more than the disease that couldn't erase the beauty of the person you were created to be. This last poem is from my book section on faith. My faith is very important to me. I've grown so much in my understanding of the depth of the love of God over the last few years. And this poem is very simple though, because I believe that we often try to overcomplicate our faith 
with a theology that is broken or misleads us. Morning. To touch upon the morning with the restless spattering of squirrels, the rustle of leaves from birds taking flight and then landing and chattering on the, with others on the wire. To touch upon the morning with the caress of a breeze upon my cheek, the hug of the new grass wrapping around my feet and the dew wandering across my skin. To touch upon the morning and share the day divine. And I end the book with this very simple thought. In the end, in the end, there is still love because it will outlast hate and greed, anger and jealousy. So know that you are loved. I love and I am loved. Thank you for letting me share my poetry with you this during this episode. Um, this is just a glimpse of the many subjects that I write about, the many people that I include in the book, the places I've been, the, the hurts that I have overcome, uh, the sorrows that I still feel and walk with, and the joys that I've discovered along the way. I hope you return again for the next episode to look to see me. And in the meantime, go find some great poetry to read in honor of National Poetry Month.